Good morning, everybody. How you guys doing this morning? Uh, we're so excited that you joined us here at One Shot Church. Of course, this is different. Uh, we're not sitting in an auditorium or in that type of style, uh, but we still hope that you are going to enjoy what we have to share with you, uh, that you're tuned in and locked in, and most importantly, that God would speak something directly to your heart on this Palm Sunday morning. All right, so before we begin or as we begin, I want to read a scripture which we're going to do a lot of today. So if you got your Bible, you're a Bible thumper, you want to flip through some pages, feel free to do that. Uh, if you're online as well, just open a new tab, new window, do whatever you got to do. I'm going to read this scripture, and then if you guys wouldn't mind, let's all pray together after that. So this morning, Palm Sunday, we are going to go to John, the Gospel of John, chapter 12, starting at verse number 12. And that's where we're going this morning. Let's read this here together. It says this, the next day, the news that Jesus was on the way to Jerusalem swept through the city. A large crowd, a large crowd of, of Passover visitors took palm branches and went down the road to meet him. They shouted, praise God, blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hail to the king of Israel. Verse 14 says, Jesus found a young donkey and rode on it, fulfilling the prophecy that said, don't be afraid, people of Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming, riding on a donkey's colt. And we're going to finish up these verses 16 through 18. It says this, his disciples didn't understand at the time that this was the fulfillment of a prophecy. But after Jesus entered into his glory, they remembered what had happened and realized that these things had been written about him. Many in the crowd had seen Jesus call Lazarus from the tomb, raising him from the dead, and they were telling others about it. That was the reason so many went out to meet him, because they had heard about this miraculous sign. If you guys don't mind, let's pray this morning. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for being miraculous. We thank you for being our friend, for being our brother, for being our Lord, and for being our King. Oh, we pray that on this morning, wherever we are engaging with your scriptures, might you be the one that speaks to us? Might you be the one that we hear directly from? Regardless of even the words that I said, God, might your spirit be the loudest voice in this room and in any room that this is heard this morning. It's in your Max's name we pray, Lord Jesus. Let me hear you on the other side. I didn't hear you, but amen, 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 amen. So I wanted you guys to think about this. Have you ever been on a first date? You know, you know, a first date, there's a lot of butterflies going. Uh, you got a lot of emotions. You have excitement. You have anxiety. You have all of these things, and it's like, oh, my gosh, what am I going to say? Do some of you guys practice in the, in the camera? You're like, all right, I'm going to hit her with this line, or, hey, I'm gonna, when he asks me this question, I'm going to say this. I, I wonder how you guys act if you were going on a first date, or have you ever been on a blind date? where someone sets you up and you've never seen this person and, and you're just wondering, there's so many questions, there's so many things going on. And, and, and I wanted to ask you this, it, it, it's also this concept of meant. There's so much uncertainty that separates you from that person. There's a great distance between you two and, and you are wondering, there's so many options, so many directions, so many turns that could take place. And, and the thing about it is so many of us have bought into what romantic comedies and our brother Tyler Perry sells us. We've bought into the fact that, man, if I just stumble down the street, the love of my life will bump into me. He'll sweep me off my feet and we'll run away. Or, man, I'll be in the grocery store and the girl checking out in front of me will be everything I ever dreamed of and imagined. And things would line up perfectly. But what I wanted to talk about today is this, that life 
and the gospel in particular is not a romantic comedy. Things don't go as planned. Things don't fall in line with the script. And I want you to realize that when we zoom back in, and I'm going to share about three different scenes here, and I want us to take a look at Jesus and the interactions that the people around him had. And when I was thinking about kind of that romantic comedy or thinking about that first date, that drew me to what we saw in John chapter 12. And in John chapter 12, it talked about a crowd of people. A crowd of people. I want you to put yourself in the shoes of any of those people in that crowd. You know, the thing about it was when you're drawn into a crowd, you're there for a number of reasons. I don't know what type of high school you went to, but maybe there were fights going on and you hear the noise, the, oh, and when you hear the rumbling, then it's like, oh, snap, what's happening, what's happening? You're drawn to a crowd, but you don't actually know and you're not acquainted with the details of what's happening. And I believe in John chapter 12, these people were in the crowd, and it was because at the end in verse 18, it says this, it was because they heard about this miraculous sign. That one sign was Jesus rose somebody up from the dead. I swear even nowadays, if I were to hear that, I would be drawn to it. I would be drawn, but somebody did what? And you, you, you want to observe, you want to see. But as those people were drawn and they saw Jesus, they said he be, they began to lay down palm branches. Uh, they took off their clothes and they laid it on the street. And, and to put that into context some more, it was this, that at that time, the Jewish people in the Jewish land, they were occupied by the Romans, right? So they believed that Jesus was coming to save them from an unfavorable situation. And they believed that that salvation would be immediate, that it would be like snapping your fingers, that it would be like a romantic comedy where things just fall into place right away. And I believe this, what they did not understand was that there was a great distance between what they perceived about Jesus and the actuality of what he desired to show them. Because I believe this, Jesus does not just come to meet your expectations, he comes to completely obliterate and change them all together. And I believe that's what I want to accomplish here today. So as we think about that crowd that came to Jesus on Palm Sunday, they were laying down branches. I do believe some of them saw him as the Messiah. Maybe some of them truly believed in him, but I believe there was a number of people there who saw Jesus and they were like, oh, this guy seems to be hip. He seems to be the wave. He seems to be where I should be. But there was a great distance because they perceived him in one way, but they had not yet experienced the true fulfillment of who he wanted to be and who he was in their lives. There's a few characteristics of a crowd that I wanted to share with you guys, four in particular. Um, these are just some notes and some thoughts. And I want you to consider, are you just a part of the crowd when you're relating to Jesus? A person who's a part of the crowd they lack sustainability. They're fickle, which means that one day they might be here, the other day they might be there. It means that, man, things are up and down. When you lack sustainability, it means that you lack a consistency. And when you're in a crowd, you have no buy-in to what's actually happening. You're at a distance. It's like that first date, man. You're on that first date. Things could go left. And if they go left, you're going to get up and left. That, that's not. You're going to get up and leave, right? Or that things could go the right way. And it might work for a little bit. And then it might fall all apart. But there's no sustainability. It's fickle. Uh, when, when you're a part of a crowd, you lack intimacy. It's very superficial. You're perceiving things from a distance. You're saying, man, this looks good. Man, this feels good. And I believe that's how a lot of people were looking at Jesus. And even nowadays, that's how a lot of us are looking at Jesus from the outside and saying, man, that looks good. That seems to be something I desire. But it's superficial. Another point is this, that they're focused on the spectacle. And it's emotionally based solely. 
I believe this, man, that we are, a number of us are just drawn to spectacle. People said, man, Jesus performed miracles. He got this dude, Lazarus, straight up out of the grave. If that's happening, I want to see it. But are they drawn to the person or are they there for a spectacle? These are the questions I want us to ask ourselves. Are we just a part of the crowd or is God calling us towards something else? It says this as well, that uh, they're based on secondhand information. A lot of times we're drawn to Jesus because we're relying on the faith that was passed down from our grandmother, from, a, from our father, from our parents, from a pastor, from a relative. But have we made that faith our own? I want to ask you this morning on Palm Sunday, would you have just been a part of the crowd? Or is there something else? Is there another scene that Jesus is trying to call you, to call me towards, to move from the crowd, but where is it that we should go? The next verse of scripture I wanted us to share was this in, in John chapter 13. So you're just flipping one, whoop, one little verse over, one little chapter over to John chapter 13, starting at verse number one. And it says this, before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to his father. He had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth, and now he loved them to the very end. What a powerful statement. He loved them to the very end. We're going to unpack that a little bit more. In verse 2, it says this. It says, it was time for supper, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. The one, the one thought I wanted us to really park on is it says is Jesus loved them to the very end. And the thought is this, Jesus loves you to the end in spite of seeing you at the beginning. There's nothing you could do to get away or to escape from how much Jesus loves you. This is real love that goes beyond a first date, that goes beyond a romantic comedy. We're going to talk some about what real love actually looks like this morning. Real love says, I love you to the end which means through the middle, which means through the low points, which means through the hard points, which means, man, beyond what I'm perceiving and, and, and the representative of myself that I sent on this first date, I love you to the end. Jesus literally sat there, and if you saw verse 2, it said, he sat at a table with all of his disciples, including Judas, who would betray him. And he knew this, but he loved him to the end. What an amazing example of love we see. And this is what we truly can behold in our Savior Jesus. He's calling us closer out of the crowd and saying, I love you to the end. Come closer to me. In verse number three, we pick back up in John chapter 13. It said, Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything and that he had come from God and that he would return to God. Verse four says this, so he got up from the table he took off his robe, he wrapped the towel around his waist, and he poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he had around him. What an amazing picture we have of representation of what loving someone to the end and loving someone thoroughly and fully it actually looks like. Real love is being painted and depicted. I wanted us to pull out verse number four here. It says this, Jesus, he got up from the table. And I believe this about real love. I believe this about Jesus loving us to the end. It's an example he's showing to his disciples in verse four. He got up from the table, which means Jesus moved first. 
The Bible literally says, uh, before we ever loved him, it's not that we loved him first, but that he loved us. When we were at our worst, when we were at a place where we could not help ourselves at all, Jesus loved us first. He got up from the table. He took action first. Verse number, uh, the, the second part of verse four, it says is he took off his robe. Jesus took off his divinity. He took off his status and said, hey, I will humble myself. Philippians 2 says he humbled himself and took the form of a servant. Though he was God, he did not desire to cling to his place in heaven. He said, man, I will take off my robe. I will take off my position to put on your form because I will love you to the end. It says, uh, the third part of the verse, it says he wrapped the towel around his waist and he poured water into a basin. Jesus then began to take the action of a servant. He took the action of a servant. He took the action to show that for you to be clean, I will put myself into the dirt. At the end of 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 5, it says this, that he became sin who knew no sin so that we might become what? The righteousness of God. Jesus, he took off his robe. He wrapped himself in a, in a, in a he wrapped a towel around his waist and he got down to it. And, and, and this is the thing I wanted us to think about here today as well, man. We're going to be talking some about feet. I hate feet. They're, they're disgusting. They're ugly. But Jesus literally, he, he, he lowered himself. And back in those days, I guess they walk around with their toes out all over the place. I don't, I don't even like toes, man. That's the thing about I'm going off left, but I'm coming back. Whenever it would get warm, I'd be like, why y'all got your toes out, man? Put some socks on. I don't understand. But back in those days, too, they walked around open toes, all these things. So the servant would be the person who would wash the feet. He would get down into the dirt and say, hey, if you're going to come into this place, let me clean you up. Jesus said, I am not only above that, but real love puts me in the position of a servant. Real love causes me to draw you out of the crowd and say, I love you so much. I take the first step to clean you up. Verse 12, as we jump down in John 13, verse 12 says this. After washing their feet, he put back on his robe again. He sat down and he asked them, do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, because that's what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I've given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. And I truly believe that Jesus is painting a picture of what it means to transition from being on a first date or being at a distance or being in the crowd. He's saying, man, real love is that I take the first step to initiate. I take the first step to draw you close. And now he's offering and placing the ball into our court and saying, do as I have done to you. And, and, and I heard this thought in my mind, and maybe you guys are asking the same thing, but we be like, but God, their feet are disgusting. What do I look like trying to wash their feet? And this is not just literal. It's like, but God, do you see this person's attitude? They deserve to be slapped. But God, did you hear what my boss just told me? I'm about to give them a piece of my mind. But God, did you see what this person did in the grocery store? They but, but he's saying this, man, follow my example. My love initiates. My love gives to those who do not deserve. My love gets down and gets dirty. That is the thought. That's, that, that's what I'm titling this today. It's down and dirty. Real love gets down and it gets dirty. Jesus literally lowered himself 
when he was in that room with the disciples. He said, I want to show you an example of what my love does. But what we don't realize is that is preaching the true gospel to us. Jesus came, who is God. He lowered himself down for the sake of getting into our dirt so that he might make us all clean. He lowered himself so that we could be lifted back up. He said, come out of that crowd. I want to draw you closer to where I am and to who I am. This is the second scene we see Jesus in. And I believe this is the second scene that we're being challenged with is are you either in a crowd or are you moving closer so much so that he's saying, man, I want to eat with you, be at the table with you. I want you in my inner circle. Jesus is offering this to all of us today, not just to his disciples that were there, the 12 in the room, and even the one who would betray him. He loved them to the end. He loves you. He loves me to the end. And real love gets down and it gets dirty. He wants to be involved in your mess. The issue is this. So many of us remain in the crowd because we want to hide our mess from Jesus. But we don't realize that, man, Jesus is about it all the way. He will take off his robe. He will take off anything that you think is holding you back. He will remove any obstacle that's in the way. He will get down to whatever is your ailment. Some of you guys might have busted feet. I'm sorry if that's insulting. But it's a figure of speech to understand that some of us might have busted situations. But Jesus doesn't run away. He gets down into it. He gets down and dirty so that we might be made clean. The last picture I wanted us to paint this third scene, we saw people at a distance from Jesus. They threw down palm branches. They threw down their clothes, but they weren't sure. Is he going to save us right away? What's going to happen? And then we see Jesus providing what real love and love to the end is to his disciples. He's saying, man, I love you so much. I will get down and dirty. And now the ball is in our court. The question is this, how will we respond when Jesus has initiated and taken the first step to show us his love? It's like when, when you're in a relationship, right, and, and, and things are going well, and you're taking steps, and you're progressing, and then as a dude in particular, you start to feel like, man, you know what I'm saying? I think I, think I love this girl, right? Who's going to say it first, though? <laughs> Most guys are scared. I know it'll be like, man, girl, you know how I feel about you. I'm, uh, I'm very fond of you. Uh, I think of you highly. Uh, I, I'm, I'm highly in like, it's like, no, 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 no. I love you sounds completely different than any of those other phrases. And I believe this is what Jesus is screaming to us today. When he gets down and dirty, he's saying, I love you. I will initiate what real love is. How are you going to respond? How are you going to respond? In John chapter 12, this is a beautiful response that stuck with me, and it challenges me, and I believe it will do the same for you. In John chapter 12, I'm going to share these verses. For, uh, verse 1 says this. It says, six days before the Passover celebration began, Jesus arrived in Bethany, the home of Lazarus, the man he raised from the dead. As you see in John, in John 11, John 12, John 13, it's all about this amazing feat that happened. Jesus, his friend, his friend Lazarus had died. And, and he literally stepped into that death, into that mess, into that dirt. And he said, Lazarus, you are now going to rise. And it's, there's so much talk about that because I really want us to think, man, what would happen if somebody was raised from the dead? And, and verse 2 says this, it says, a dinner was prepared in Jesus' honor. Martha served, and Lazarus, the dude who just raised from the dead, Lazarus was among those who ate with him at the table. Verse 3, it says, then Mary, 
This is Lazarus' sister, Martha and Mary, Lazarus' two sisters. Verse 3 says, Then Mary took a 12-ounce jar of expensive perfume made from the essence of nard, and she anointed Jesus' feet with it, wiping his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance. What a beautiful picture. Again, we saw in the first part, they threw palm branches, they threw down their clothes, they threw down things at Jesus' feet, but they weren't quite clear on who Jesus was. We see in the second scene, Jesus gets down and dirty and washes his disciples' feet, and now we see a beautiful response where Mary approaches Jesus' feet. She anoints his feet, and she wipes it with her hair. I think for some of you, well, I'm wearing a hat. We were just talking about this. I don't, got, I don't got much left under here, right? But for some of us, our hair is our glory. I think back in this day in particular, her hair was a sign of significance. It was a sign that she mattered. And she said, the thing that matters to me the most, I will use it to show Jesus that his value is far greater. We're going to see here as well as we move on. When, when they said that perfume was expensive, let's see exactly what that means. In verse 4, it says, but Judas... This guy, Judas, keeps popping up too. But Judas, Iscariot, the disciple who would soon betray him, said, that perfume was worth a year's wages. It should have been sold and the money given to the poor. That perfume was worth a year's wages. I want you to understand exactly the value that Mary gave to her Savior, Jesus. She moved from the crowd to being in an intimate setting, to actually experiencing the essence of who Jesus was. And after she experienced that essence, she said, I will take perfume that is worth a year's wages. That would be the greatest offering I've ever given in my life. I don't know how much money you make in a year. I want you to imagine taking all of that money and not just handing it to Jesus and say, hey, Jesus, do something with it. Or, hey, Jesus, you deserve this. She poured it out on his feet the lowest part of him, because she saw him as being worth that much. What a challenge we are issued today when real love draws us close. We we see real love gets down and dirty, and it pushes us to get down and dirty as well. And and let me finish off these verses. Verse 6, it says, not that he cared, not that Judas cared about the poor. He was a thief, and since he was in charge of the disciples' money, he even stole some for himself. In verse 7, Jesus replied, leave her alone. She did this in preparation for my burial. As we're coming up on Easter, and we're beginning to think about our Savior being crucified on the cross, I believe that that's exactly what our lives are called to do, to show people, man, I am so enthralled, not with the religion, not just with attending church, not just with reading a Bible. I'm enthralled with the fact that my Savior was buried. He died, but he resurrected again. And an experience with that resurrection will push us to give extravagantly, extravagantly, that's how you say that, extravagantly in worship, just as Mary did. She gave a year's wages. She, she wiped it with her hair. She said, Jesus, you are far greater in worth than anything that this earth could ever offer me. You're worth it. You're worth that much more. And as we come to a close here, the one thought I wanted to leave you with is a challenge is, are you after the feet of Jesus? Or are you after the hand of Jesus? Or are you after anything else that you could plug in that blank? 
I think where a lot of us get lost in the crowd is they want to see the hand of Jesus. They want to see Jesus do a magic trick. They want to see Jesus perform a miracle. We want to say, Jesus, cover my bills. Jesus, bless me. Jesus, give me more money. Give me a car. Pay off my house. Jesus, heal my body. Jesus, do all. And we're after his hand. And we don't realize exactly what Mary realizes. Jesus, me seeing you for who you truly are will cause me to drop to your feet and to pour out everything I could ever at your feet because you are worth it so much more. What a beautiful picture of the gospel that Jesus is calling us from the crowd to an intimate setting. And when we truly realize who Jesus is, we cannot help but respond in a way that transforms our lives forever. So I will leave you with this today. Are you after the feet of Jesus, just like Mary? Or are you after the hand of Jesus, just waiting from a distance to see him do something, to see him be something? Jesus wants to speak to us today and say, I loved you to the end. My heavy love is for you at all times. What are you going to do now that I've placed the ball in your court? I believe Mary has given us an example today. Love Jesus back extravagantly. Real love gets down and gets dirty. How will you respond to it? If you guys don't mind, pray with me here this morning. Jesus, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your love that transforms, that covers, that changes. And I pray right now, wherever this is being experienced, God, might your love reach literally through this screen and cause people to feel how amazing it is. Your love that was pouring out for us on the cross, might it push each one of us to respond this morning. Whatever that response might be, God, might it be something that shows that you're worth it, that you're worth way more than we could ever give. You're worth a year's wages, as Mary said, but you're worth so much more, Jesus, because you are literally our lives. So I pray for anyone who's struggling today who feels distant from you, who feels, God, I had expectations and they were not met, might you show them, Jesus, that a relationship with you is the fulfillment of everything we could ever want or need. I pray that as we're moving closer to Easter, as we're moving closer to remembering you being crucified, that when we think of the cross, might we see ourselves being accepted, might we see our sins being paid for, and might we see you loving us in a way that got down and dirty so that we might be lifted up and made righteous. It's in your matchless name we pray, Lord Jesus. And everybody sit. Amen. Thank you guys so much again for tuning in. Feel free to share this, and we'd love to see you next time. Peace.